This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. This episode is brought to you by Physician CEO. Finally, a business program for busy doctors just like you. Get the skills of branding, marketing, entrepreneurship, and combine those with your gifts as a physician. Be known as a doc outside the box and define your future. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box Podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry, you're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. What's up? What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. I'm excited that you guys have tuned in. But before we start, I got to say that I'm going through a little bit of a sickness. I think I got a cold or some type of bug. So my voice is a little bit raspy. It's a little bit hoarse. So I apologize for that in advance, but the show must go on. So I'm really excited that you all have tuned in. This is going to be a jam-packed episode of Docs Outside the Box. I'm really serious about that. I want you all to get a pen. I want you to grab a piece of paper and be able to take some notes. All right. This is going to be something that you all are going to be inspired to take some action. And as a matter of fact, the takeaway from this episode are two things. One, to take action and to also have an abundance mindset. I'm going to be talking about a power couple, which is going to inspire you all to be doing some great things after this episode. So in the past, earlier when I started this show, you know, I used to talk about investing mainly in the stock market through passive means. We're talking about index funds. We're talking about, you know, being as diversified as possible. And then also I talked about being a good steward of money, right? Whatever money you bring in from your daytime job, from your full-time gig, you are saving more, spending less, paying off your student loan debt. But I really never broached the subject of real estate, which is another great way to build wealth and also help you have that lifestyle that you've always wanted. Practice medicine on your own terms. So earlier this year, I got a chance to speak to a physician couple, right? And they are truly living the docs outside the box life. They are semi-retired from medicine, which means they are picking up clinical shifts when and how often they want. And actually since 2017, they have made it a priority to set aside at least several months a year to travel the world. And actually in 2017, they took the entire year off to travel the world. And some of you all may have some of your built-in excuses already, right? I know how it is, right? We're all human. So it's a two-physician couple. I understand they're high net worth, right? We get it. But they may not have children. That's what some of you all may be thinking. But actually, they have children that range in age from 15 to a three-year-old, as well as a one-year-old. So they're making it happen. They're really making it happen and doing special things. And they have time to spend with friends. They have time to spend with family. They're able to attend conferences, just like you and I, a lot of meetings during the year. Basically, 
overall, they are practicing life on their own terms, right? That's what we all want to hear on this podcast. So the next question is, is how the hell are they able to do it? And they're able to do it through their entrepreneurial efforts, mainly through real estate, purchasing real estate properties and using that to pay for their lifestyle. And the name of this couple, Dr. Letty and Dr. Kenji, they are documenting this entire process from acquiring real estate to how they're able to get passive income from these rental properties to some of the tax loopholes that you, I didn't know anything about. They document all of this on their great blog called Semi-Retired MD. Now, listen, this episode is going to inspire you to take action, but sometimes you may need a little push to help you kind of take those first couple of steps. So I'm backing a course that they have. They have a course that's called Zero to Freedom Through Cash Flowing Rentals. And this is an introductory course that's meant to help doctors like you and I, high income professionals who don't have that much experience in real estate to really get to a point where you can confidently invest in cash flowing rentals. Now, very briefly, this course is made up of six modules. This is not passive learning. This is very active. You're going to be taking action on a weekly basis. There's a Facebook community that is very active that's going to hold you accountable. You're also going to get exclusive access to the network of investor agents. Overall, this course is going to save you from making some very costly mistakes. Plus, there's a course guarantee, which I'm always about. They guarantee that you're going to make as much progress, more progress in three weeks, or you can have your money back. Okay. And the other thing that's really cool, I've never seen this before, is that you can claim up to five credits of CME. So for those of you all who have some money in your CME accounts, you haven't used it yet, this may be the time to use it. So look, the course registration for this starts December 2nd. The links as well as a short video is in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. A small disclaimer, I am an affiliate, but I'm an affiliate only because I believe in their process. Okay, so make sure you trust that. So look, without further ado, this was a long intro, but you needed to hear it. I present Dr. Letty and Dr. Keji, the doctors behind Semi-Retired MD. Let's get it. Very excited about this. I got the doctors behind SemiRetiredMD.com. Letizia Alto and Kenji Asakura. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box. What's up? What's good? Hey, me. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm very, very excited about this for a whole bunch of different reasons. We don't really get a chance to talk about passive income, real estate, you know, financial independence a lot on this show. So it's really on point that we're talking about this. But also at the same time, you guys are living some badass type lives. I can see all that on Instagram. So it's really good to get you guys on the show to kind of hear your perspective on financial independence, how you practice as a family. And where you guys are going from there next. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So look, before we start, you know, talking about your blog, before we talk about what you do for a living, let's kind of take it a step back. I want to know how you guys met and then kind of take it from there, from medical school and so forth, where you guys currently are and where you live. Okay, I guess I'll start. Uh, you know, I went to Hopkins for medical school. And then after Working on a startup, I ended up scrambling into an internal medicine preliminary program. At right, you've U- gone too fast. You've gone too fast. Come on. Okay. Now. Hold on. Tell us about this startup now. So you finished medical school, then you went into a startup? That's right. Yeah. So during wow. medical school, I started a company that sold soy protein to menopausal women. The soy protein has 
estrogens in it. And so it was to help women get through menopause without estrogens. So that was the company that started. I left that company and it was too late for me to apply for residencies. So I scrambled into an internal medicine program at UW in Seattle. Just UW. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Okay. And then from uh, University of Washington, you did internal medicine, right? Yeah. And, and then, then from there, I went to uh, McKinsey, which is a management consulting company. I did that for five years. What? So you stepped out again? Yeah. After, after a year. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. Yes, hey, right. take us through that process. Like, what's the mindset? Like, it seems like you've kind of had this entrepreneur or at least outside of medicine kind of dual kind of interest, so to speak. Like, what's that all about? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, I've always had interest outside of medicine. My dad was a doctor, and I think that's the reason why I went into medicine. But, you know, as I went through medical school, I just found out that I had a lot of other interests outside of medicine. And so even during that time when I was working on the startup, uh, during my internal medicine residency, I was always thinking about the next step outside of medicine. And so that's how I ended up in, in management consulting. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So you're working for, name the company again, please. Uh, McKinsey and Company. Okay. So you were there for a couple of years? Five years. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And this is after residency? Right. After okay. one year of residency. Wow. So you stepped away. And then how did you get yourself back into clinical medicine? Yeah. So when I was working at McKinsey, you know, I was working with a lot of healthcare clients, hospitals and clinics. And I realized that for me to have a bigger impact making change in a hospital, I realized that I needed to have that strong clinical background. Yeah, you need to so be conscious. Yeah, you need to be in the trenches. And so I decided to go back to residency. I redid my internship in a three-year internal medicine program at UW again. And so I did that to you know, get fully trained, get my board certification so that I can have a greater impact. Mm, okay. All right. Dr. Letizia, how about you? What's your path? So I guess mine starts a little bit earlier. My family, my dad's a doctor as well, just like Kenji's dad. And he was a family medicine doctor who liked to travel and work abroad. And so I grew up in, you know, Papua New Guinea, Ponape, Micronesia. Oh, wow. And so ended up in Maine and went to actually deferred from medical school for a year, did a development anthropology master's degree, a two-year program in a year, and then went to University of Vermont and trained in family medicine. Really thought I was going to work abroad in developing countries and do medicine, but then ended up in residency at Swedish Medical Center in Seattle and found I really liked hospital medicine. Again, did hospital medicine fellowship thinking I was going to go abroad and work in a developing country. And then I met Kenji. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's how we ended up, uh, you know, in Seattle. And then also we've been traveling ever since. Yeah, I can tell. So let me ask, was it love at first sight? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's for another episode. <laughs> that's right. that's it right. is. Well, I love it. Well, so since then, though, you guys have been together, working together. And what about this interest in real estate? When did you all develop the interest in real estate together? So, you know, Kenji had been doing a lot of land investing and got caught up in the 2008 market crash as well. And okay. so when we got together, both of us had a love of property, but Kenji had had a lot of bad experiences. We didn't really initially do much together in real estate for probably at least two or three years, I think, because we were working on a startup together. And so what happened was actually we went on a trip to New Zealand. We were in a camper van. We didn't really have functioning TV. And we were there for like two weeks, I think, driving around. 
and Kenji had been encouraging me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad for some time. Mm, and I started, yeah, it is. And so I started reading. I was like, oh my goodness, this is like totally changing, just rocking my world. And so what we decided to do was read it out loud together to each other. And so that allowed us to really be able to stop every couple sentences and discuss things and get each other excited and just plan. And so we just, we had been looking for a house before we left on that vacation in Seattle. We thought we were going to have a primary residence. We came back from that vacation. We were like, we're going to be real estate investors. We don't need a primary residence. We're just going to take every single dollar we have and we're going to put it into real estate investing. What was that experience like with your first rental property? Yeah, so we didn't know what we were doing. We read some books, but uh, we initially used our, um, uh, the agent that was helping us look for a primary residence. And what we quickly learned was that a residential real estate agent is completely different than an investor agent. And so it wasn't until we found an investor agent that we were able to find our first property. So we got back from that vacation in, in January. And by April, we purchased our first two duplexes. Oh, wow. Okay. So for, cause there are a lot of people right now who are novices listening right now. So there may be times when I may stop you halfway through what you're describing so that you can give us, you know, kind of a primer on this stuff. So like just very briefly, like what is the difference between a residential realtor and a investor or an investing type of realtor? Yeah. So completely different. I mean, so an investor agent is going to have a flow of deals or a flow of properties. They're going to have a network of people who are bringing them either off-market deals or they're going to be searching for cash-flowing properties versus, you know, residential houses, just, you know, what's a good neighborhood, what are good schools. I mean, some of those factors are important for investment property, but, you know, I think the most important thing for an investment property is, are the numbers. And you need to have a really strong handle on the numbers. You need to understand how to analyze the cash on cash for a particular property, the cash flow that a property is going to generate. And you can very quickly find out from a, an agent whether or not they understand investments by just asking them for the numbers. And then if they're not able to answer that question, then you know that you have a probably have a residential agent, and not an mm. investor agent. Yeah. And an investor agent, I think the other thing that they can do is they can look for hidden value. Um, and by that, I mean, because they hopefully own their own properties. They know if you can rent like a detached garage, for example. And so they'll find a property and they'll say, hey, you know, right now this duplex is only bringing $1,000 a month, but I see it's got a detached garage. I know in this market, you can rent a detached garage for $200. And so then all of a sudden they found something for you that's going to bring an extra income that, that makes that property much more appealing and makes your cash on cash that you come out of it with much, much higher. Mm, okay. I love it. Thank you very much. You know, I'm really interested. Dr. Leticia, when you mentioned after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it kind of changing your world and your perspective on things. Can you kind of go more into depth as to like what kind of what it did to kind of your perceptions that you already had and how it changed your standpoint of how you look at things from, you know, from a passive or real estate standpoint, even to how you practice? Yeah. So, you know, Kenji always had an entrepreneurial streak. I didn't. I was really just going to you know, follow my dad's footsteps and work as a doctor my whole life and just kind of keep to that traditional path. Rich Dad, Poor Dad for me made me realize that there were alternative ways to bring in income and that I didn't have to walk this path and work the traditional route for the next 30 or 40 years, that I had options. And so real estate was a very natural extension for us to get into to make our passive income because we both really love properties. 
well, actually, I think I'm a secret hoarder, like of food, for example, I have <laughs> multiple freezers. Okay. And so I love hoarding properties. I just love collecting them. So for us, real estate worked really well as our source of passive income. And so Rich Dad Poor Dad kind of has that woven in. It's not really overt. He doesn't tell you how to do anything in real estate, but that was the underlying way that he made a lot of his money. And so that really motivated me to pick out real estate as how we were going to create passive income. I agree with you. I think from a 30,000 foot view, the big thing is just, you know, you can either live your life as someone who's, you know, making money by trading time for dollars, mm-hmm. um, or you can look at it from a different perspective where you're making your money with, um, you know, just a little bit more strategy and so forth. So I agree with you there. You know, I'm really interested as to, you know, going from your first rental property to, you know, now obviously you both have several. What was that process like working with that first property? Right. And I'm sure it had its growing pain. So take us through that to then the thought process of we're going to get more, more, and then continue to get to the point where we're at right now. Yeah, actually, the first two properties went pretty smoothly, actually. And I think that speaks to how you have to approach these purchases. You really have to purchase properties based on criteria. What you want to do is you want to establish your criteria. How much cash flow do you want from the property? What type of property do you want? What neighborhood do you want it to be in? You ask yourself these questions. You tell your agent, this is what I'm looking for. And so then they bring you a duplex or fourplex or whatever property that exactly meets your criteria. So when you buy it, you know that you're buying it right, right? Because it meets your criteria. You know that it's going to bring in the right amount of cash flow. So, you know, our first two properties, it actually exceeded our expectations. We were expecting a certain amount of cash flow. But then as Letizia described, you know, we rented out a detached garage. That's something that we actually discovered ourselves. And so we were able to bring in extra income. And so we were doing things like that. And we increased our cash on cash significantly right from the beginning with our first deal. I think the other thing with us, I know you're going to ask us about the strength of us as a couple, but we are very decisive when we go all in, we go all in. Mm, And so we, that first year, we purchased 10 units. So we ended up with 10 doors just in one year. And that actually- When you say 10 doors, explain, what does that mean? So that means 10 like single dwelling units, but we didn't do them as single family homes. Mostly we bought duplexes. Mm -hmm. So we speak in terms of doors. So right now we have 41 doors, but we actually only have 16 properties, if that makes sense. So, you know, that first year we jumped all in and actually it was a really lucky way that we did it because it ended up helping us get real estate professional status, which saved us so much in taxes. It was kind of, I mean, it really just paid for Kenji to cut back a lot. Wow. Wow. So the thought process of initially thinking that you wanted to get your own primary residence, reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I kind of pulled you back and decided that you wanted to get rentals. Do you see that as a problem with most people now where like maybe instead of getting things or getting a housing or a residency that they should not be getting, maybe they can use that money towards something else? Like talk to us about that process because I think a lot of people go through that where, you know, they've delayed gratification for a certain period of time. And now that they got into that point where they're in attending or, you know, they've gotten past their debt and they want to get what they want to get, which is a house or whatever it may be. Take us through that process of you kind of pulling back and saying that you want to do rental property as opposed to getting, you know, like that nice, big, shiny house. It's an emotionally tough decision to make. Mm -hmm. I would definitely love to have a primary residence. I'd love to have something I can dig my roots into and say, this is my home. But when I think about it in terms of that, you know, let's say two or $300,000 down payment could be making me 20 to 30,000 in cash flow a year, plus the tax benefits, plus the rental appreciation, 
plus my renters paying my equity down every year. Like I could just can't do it. I'm not in that position that I'm willing to spend that money right now. But yeah, it's a tough decision to make. It, it's an emotional loss, really, for me. Yeah, I think the other thing I was going to say is that if you do decide to purchase a house, I do know that some people are pulling money out of their houses with home equity lines of credits or cash out refis. And they're using that money to invest in investment properties. I mean, that's another route to go if you're, if you're really you know, wanting to have a personal residence. I mean, certainly it's not for everyone to live like we do in, in rental homes and traveling and living in different places and renting all the time. You know, for people who want to really plant down roots, you know, a primary residence make a lot of sense. And there are a lot of tax benefits. If you sell your property after it's appreciated, you can keep a lot of the appreciation tax-free. For your primary mm. residence. Yeah, for your wow. primary residence. Yeah. Wow. Right. Whereas in with rentals, if you sell them and they've appreciated, you need to 1031 exchange them, which is you have to find another property to move the money into within 45 days. And it's really stressful. We're actually selling three properties this month. And so we have all this appreciation and we got to find another property ASAP. And it, it is stressful. Mm. Now, how are you able to balance like that passion for what you just talked about with the passion with clinical medicine? Does one necessarily replace the other? Are they working in tandem? Uh, take us through that thought process. Now, I think for both of us, one of the things that we realized was that when we generated some income from our properties and we were able to cut back and actually practice on our own terms, it actually really enhanced our clinical experience, right? Our work environment. You know, we go, you know, we're probably one of the few people that walk into work with a smile on our faces <laughs> and, and we're, we're actually, you know, I'm suspicious of you guys. Like, why yeah, are you so happy? Right, that's right. Why are you, you so happy? Right, right. And, you know, a lot of those stressful interactions that, you know, we would have with our colleagues or patients, I mean, a lot of those things uh, kind of go away or they're lessened in terms of their intensity. So it's a lot better experience, I think, for both of us. Oh, it's Uh, definitely. And I just to reiterate what Kenji said, like, I was doing hospital rounds just uh, a couple weeks ago. And when a care manager was like, oh, we've gotten refused on this patient from 20 nursing homes in the last two days, we're never going to get them out. I was like, oh, that's, awesome. Like you have reached out to 20 nursing homes in two days. Do you know what an accomplishment that is? Mm-hmm. And they're just looking at me like, you are nuts. Being there now. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that you mentioned is practicing on your own terms. Let's be honest, like prior to, you know, getting this successful real estate, did you realize at any point before that, that you weren't really practicing on your own terms or were you kind of just naive to the whole point? And then once you started to become successful, you're like, oh, maybe I can pull back a little bit and I'm happier. Take us through which one did you feel for both of you? For me, I definitely was feeling the effects of burnout. I mean, I was, because of those properties that I owned after the crash, you know, I had a lot of properties that I was having to pay mortgages on. And so I was pretty under. And so I had to work really hard during that time to be able to afford those mortgages. And so by the time I got myself out of that and we started focusing on cash flowing properties and picking a better strategy, I was pretty burned out by then. So it was a very conscious path and real estate professional status, as we mentioned, is a way to really save on taxes to actually pay for me to cut back. Because one of the key criteria of real estate professional status is you have to cut back on your clinical medicine and real estate has to be your primary profession. And so it kind of goes hand in hand with cutting back. Can you talk more about that again? Because I know you mentioned that it's the acronym REPS. What does that mean exactly? It's a status, not anything you need a license for. Anybody can do it. But what it is, is if real estate becomes your primary 
job, meaning that you spend more hours on real estate than clinical medicine. And the second criteria is you put in at least 750 hours a year, which averages out to about 15 to 20 hours a week. If you meet those two criteria, then your accountant will designate you as a real estate professional. And what that means is that any paper losses on your properties can be written off your clinical income. So what we do is that- What? We take-, we take yeah, that's Are right. you serious? Yeah. So what we've done for the last four years is we've taken almost all of Letizia's clinical income and whatever moonlighting I did, and we shelter 100% of it. So we pay zero taxes on the clinical income. And so imagine what you can do if you take that money and put it back into real estate. This is why the returns that we're getting is considerably higher than any investment vehicle out there. Wow. So if we were recording this video, I mean, the audience would see my face. I'm completely shocked about that because I'm all about trying to save as much as possible from my tax burden. That just blew my mind, rocked my world right there. Wow. Right, right. I mean, you know, if you think about your taxes, it's your single biggest expense, right? I mean, it's like 30% of your pre-tax income. And when you compare it to something like, you know, the amount of money you're sheltering with a 401k, I mean, a 401k, you might shelter 5% of your income, but this is sheltering 30% of your income, pre-tax income. And so it's a huge, huge benefit. And it's really ideal for couples where one spouse is either a stay-at-home person or- Wants uh, to be part-time. Or wants to be part-time, exactly. And there was an example, actually, a CMO uh, out in Hawaii uh, that I was talking to. His wife was already working half-time as an anesthesiologist. And so in their situation, they own rental properties. And in their situation, over the years, they had built up a million dollars of losses And if you're not a real estate professional, what happens is you can't claim those losses against income. You can only, it goes into a category called suspended passive losses. You don't lose them, but it's a million dollars just sits there until someday in the future when you generate passive income that you can then use that, you can shelter that passive income. But while you're not a real estate professional, you can't take advantage of those losses. But if you're a real estate professional, then you can start writing it off of clinical income. Because they become active losses. Right, that's right. Mm. Wow. And now a word from our sponsor. Meet Dr. Arthur Cummings. He's a busy ophthalmologist practicing all the way in Dublin, Ireland. Recently, he finished physician CEO. Check out what got him to jump on the transatlantic flight to participate in this program. My initial response would simply be just do it. This is one of those programs that is so good. It's very likely to be the best education you've ever received. And you realize then as a physician, how little we really know about our businesses, even though we're running businesses that are quite large. And the level of training is so fantastic. The education is so good. The faculty is immaculate and you're in a group of people who are like-minded. So just the entire environment is an amazing learning experience and really a good incubator for growing your practice. So if you're a physician who's looking to start your own venture or even lead your practice or department, then you can't afford to miss this opportunity. Class is filling up. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. So obviously both of you all are experts on this, which takes me to my next question. Like when did you all decide to get this on paper and to start blogging about this and start your website, Semi-Retired MD? Yeah. So we started in early 2018. So about three years after we started investing together. And we, yeah, we really wanted to get that, uh, you know, 
message out about real estate and also the tax savings. Um, and you know, we're also layering in additional strategies as well as we learn about. And what we like to do is we like to try something and then see if it works. And then if it works, then we write about it and we educate people about it. Yeah, we were spending a lot of our time talking to our coworkers and friends because they're all burnt out too. And a lot of people want to cut back. A lot of people are in difficult like health situations or whatever, and they just were looking for any other way. And so we found that we were spending a lot of time trying to help all of our friends get into real estate. And in fact, we have a number of them, probably 10 or so that have become big into real estate in the last three years. But we were repeating ourselves over and over again. And we realized that if we could write these articles, number one, it would push us to really get the information down 100%, you know, because there were gaps in our knowledge that we, you know, we were 80% there, but we weren't actually doing the research to fill it in. Um, So we knew it would make us better real estate investors. And then we also knew that we would get our friends there faster because we could disseminate the information easier. So for the novices who are listening and they come to your website, give me like the top two articles that you think they should start with first. Because obviously there's a lot of things in the blog. It's great. Where should they start? I think the two articles would be one, there's a primer on real estate professional status. That's a really important one. So you understand what the criteria are. The second one would be one that's called Before You Get Started. And mm-hmm. it kind of lists the things that you need to think about before you get started. Because you know this path you know, may not be for everyone. I mean, personally, I think that it should be a path for everyone. But I mean, I know that I can't convince everyone to do it. Why do you think it should be a path for everyone? Yes. You know, everybody approaches this question of financial freedom or FIRE, right? Financial independence, retire right. early. They approach it from a perspective of, you know, they start with like things like stocks or passive, right? They go, I want to get there with passive strategies, completely passive strategies, right? A lot of that involves like things like index funds and whatnot. And at the end of the day, if you just look at the return, just purely based on the returns, you do the numbers, it's going to take you a long time to achieve financial freedom using those strategies. But, you know, and this is something we learned in the consulting world, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem and the problem is I want to achieve financial freedom as quickly as possible, what you do is you first lay out all the options. What are all the options available to me, right? Regardless of whether it's passive or semi-passive or active even, right? And I'll tell you, I think the two ways that you can achieve financial freedom the quickest is one is to start businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So blogging, podcasting, all these things that we're doing, right? We're starting businesses, right? And so starting businesses would be one. And the second one would be real estate. And both of these paths give you extremely high returns. Real estate, again, because the, not just the cash flow, but also the tax savings. And I will say that we call it semi-passive. You know, we recognize that it's not I, pre- I appreciated that when you wrote your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we consider it semi-passive because, you know, we recognize that it takes work. And part of the requirement of real estate professional status is that, you know, you do need to put in the hours managing your properties. It's not a full-time job uh, by any means. You know, again, we have 41 doors and, you know, I spend the required 750 hours, but I probably don't spend a lot more than that. Mm, Go ahead, Leticia. You know, the other thing I think is real estate can be stuck in the corners. So, you know, when we've now been involved, I've been involved in two startups with Kenji. He's been involved in three. Those are 80-hour weeks. I mean, they're intense. And if you aren't working, you have guilt that you're not working. With real estate investing, you can stick it in the corners. You can, you know, send in an email while you're in the elevator at work. I mean, it's much more doable when you're working part-time or full-time even. And we know a lot of doctors who are working full-time and they're doing this too. They don't have real estate professional status, but they're building up their portfolio 
and they're going to get it and then they're going to cut back and they're going to start collecting those tax benefits. Mm. Well, you know, I wanted to piggyback off of those comments that you mentioned, which is, you know, basically you practicing on your own terms, you know, you having 40 units and in one sense, you know, Kenji, you practicing part time right now. Like take us through, you know, if you can fast forward through a week, what does practicing on your own terms look like for both of you all? Because I see that you're traveling. I see that obviously you're attending conferences, you are, you know, running this website. Take us through what it looks like so people understand a little bit of what it looks like to be in your household. <laughs> <laughs> well, every week is totally different. <laughs> we hired no pair. We're just like, every week is going to be totally different. We cannot even give you a schedule. So like last week, we're trying to work on getting better, spending more time hiking because we really love that. So last week, we actually scheduled out three hikes and then built our work day at home, you know, on our blog and working on our real estate around those hikes. Next month, we're going to Hawaii and Australia for three weeks. We've basically, I've taken all of my shifts and I've built them around when we're able to be home. So my shifts at work. So every single week is completely different. You're full-time, Leticia. No, I'm okay. half-time now. Oh, you're yeah. both part-time. Okay. Yeah. I'm a moonlighter, so I, I pick up shifts whenever. Okay. All right. Got you. And then in terms of working on your properties, like how much time are you spending, you know, on average on your properties? Yeah. So probably again, the requirement is 15 to 20 hours every week. So the rule doesn't require you to work on it consistently every week. You can actually batch that. So if we're gone for a month of travel, then, you know, I can batch those hours later whenever, you know, we're home. And so but again, it's just the requirement of 750. I, I, you know, I think I'm right at 750 probably in terms of number of hours. And again, some of that is traveling to locations where these properties are. So we travel to Spokane, for example, we go to Oklahoma City. And so those hours are counted in that as well. Hmm, okay. Now, starting your website, has there been any added benefit to that? Obviously, you know, it gives you more of a national you know, social media stage, so to speak, but has there been any more benefit to you know, your lifestyle or even to your current real estate, I guess I'm going to put it on the empire because it sounds like it. Has that done anything to that at all? It's done so much and things that we hadn't even anticipated. So number one is just the community is incredible. We have made so many good friends with shared passions who are pushing themselves to the next level through the website. It's invaluable. And I just, I can't even say enough about how awesome an experience it has been to start it. Our community is much larger and stronger now. Um, and then from the real estate perspective, I think the, the big one we didn't anticipate is we actually get a lot of the first dibs at a lot of really good deals because a lot of the agents know that we have investor pooled and we can help them make connections to doctors. And so they really want to present us with awesome deals. And so we do get a first dibs on some of that stuff. The next thing I want to take you through is I'm going to take a little bit of a host privilege. <laughs> I'm going to give you a scenario that kind of sounds similar to my life. And I want to get your idea because I'm actually, I'm a novice in real estate. You know, you guys, I, I'm sold. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to take you through a scenario and I want you guys to walk me through this, right? Because I think a lot of the listeners kind of fit this profile. So, you know, you got a physician who's in his, I used to be able to say early thirties, but uh, now in the early forties right now, you know, built up a good nest egg, a very, you know, modest, but good nest egg, um, but looking to pull back a little bit from a clinical standpoint, but looking to jump into real estate. Got a very bad taste in my mouth from 2006 or 2008, if you know what I mean. And I'm looking, me and my wife are looking to get back into it. What kind of advice, you know, quick and easy advice would you give us 
let's say, for example, we wanted to kind of move back outside of the New York City area, like New Jersey suburb area. What kind of advice would you give us looking for property maybe in that, you know, general radius or even any radius? What kind of advice would you give? Yeah. So I think, you know, you really have to go where the deals are. So I think certain markets are probably not going to work. Like, so for example, the Seattle market, there's hardly any deals here in the Seattle market. And and we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about going, you know, an hour and a half north of the city and an hour south of the city, hardly any deals. And so certain markets are just not going to be amenable to this kind of cash flow strategy. So I think, you know, first thing is that, you know, you're going to have to be willing to go out of state and perhaps travel to some of these locations on a periodic basis. And that would be kind of the first thing. I think the second thing is that, and then in those markets, you have to find an investor agent, somebody who can actually bring you deals. And I'd say the third big thing is that, you know, I think it's ideal to have a mentor, somebody who can walk you through the process. You know, one thing that I found is that, you know, once you do one or two deals, you pretty much have 80 to 90% of what you need to know. You know, this is not like medicine, right? Where you need to do, you know, four years and three years and you know, <laughs> multiple years of training, right? You know, if you do one or two deals, like, you know, you are going to know 80 to 90% of what you need to know. And then, you know, the rest of the details, you know, you'll learn as you go. But there's definitely this kind of apprenticeship model where you can do it as you're learning. And as long as you have a good mentor walking you through it. Yeah. And I would say the other thing is, if you want to cut back, you really need to achieve real estate professional status as soon as possible, because that's where you get the tax benefits. And the tax benefits, you know, they can be hundreds of thousands of dollars a year if you're doing a lot of rehab and you're writing off depreciation, kind of doing cost segregation studies and bonus depreciation now, it's, which is a new Trump thing, where basically you get to depreciate or write off your taxes, like a huge chunk of the property the first year. So you only get to do that if you're real estate professionals status. And so what I would suggest is actually trying to go to a cheaper market where you can get a huge number of units right off so you can justify the hours instead of just buying one really expensive single family home that you're going to rent out because that's not going to get you there. Okay. I'm going to throw some one word things at you. You tell me what you think. So paying it with all cash or getting a mortgage? Yeah. So you want to get a mortgage because the equation is cash on cash return, right? And return on equity would be another one. So let me just kind of walk you through that. So cash on cash return would be, let's say you're buying a $200,000 property and you have the option of either putting down 50,000 or all 200,000. Okay. And then let's say that cash flow on that property is $5,000. And so in the first case, your cash on cash return is 5,000 divided by the 50,000, right? And that's 10% cash on cash return. In the second scenario, your cash flow will go up a little bit more because you don't have a mortgage on the property. So let's say it's seven thousand in cash flow, and then your, but your denominator is two hundred thousand. So your cash on cash return goes down significantly if you put one hundred percent down. So and this is called the power of leverage. You know, you want to use the bank's money because when that property appreciates from two hundred to three hundred, and you only have fifty thousand in that property, you get to keep all one hundred thousand of that appreciation, right? Even though the bank loaned you one hundred fifty thousand. So that's the power of leverage is that you can make more money on a lot smaller number than, you know, putting down the whole amount, 200,000. Yeah. And we recently have been talking a lot about a term we call fast fire, and that's really achieving financial independence as quick as you can. And the way to do that is actually to leverage yourself and try to grow the first, you know, five years as fast as you can. And then down the road, you can get more conservative and start paying things off. 
but those five years, if you can start today versus starting, you know, in two years from now, or if you can start today and go all in, it will get you so much further in 10 years just because of compounding. Yeah. So friends of ours, they had two goals this year and they wrote it down. They put it up on their wall. You know, if you write your goals and you put it up, you know, you're much more likely to achieve them. So they and did that. tell people about it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And they told us about it. And so what they did was they put it up on their wall. Their two goals was one, they wanted to buy 20 doors or 20 units wow. in, in one year. And then the second goal was they wanted to achieve real estate professional status. And so they bought, I think, 22 units that year. Uh, yeah, between April and December, they bought 22 wow. units. 2018. Wow. Yeah. This is one doctor and a, her husband is a software engineer. Software. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it looks like, you know, like you said, with the website and obviously with the knowledge that you have, you not only are educating a lot of different people, but there's also an opportunity to do some mentorship and some coaching. So I'd like to know, I'm really interested, like what's the next step after this website? Any thoughts of coaching? Any thoughts of doing a course at all? Yeah. So I think we've been coaching people already. And so we just launched a coaching program. And so the way it works is it's a three-month program to help you get started and get you your first deal. And it's walking you through that first deal. Everything from you know identifying properties or finding an investor agent, identifying the right property, coming up with your criteria, purchasing that property, and then all the asset protection stuff afterwards, because you know we're all doctors, and you know we want to make sure that we protect our assets. And so, putting your properties in LLCs, for example, and thinking about just an overall asset protection plan, including thinking of things like trusts and placing your assets in a trust. And so, these are some things that you know we cover. These are things that we've done, and so literally walking you through that entire process, providing you with whatever documents that we can share to get you started so that you don't have to just reinvent the wheel every time. Because all this stuff is you, you're doing the same thing over and over again with each purchase. And we've already done this, you know, 16 to 18 times. And so we have a lot of the documents that you need in order to get started. So that's going to be also part of our coaching offering. Oh man, that's a really exciting plan. And if you send me the links, I'll put that on the show notes and I may have to sign up for that actually. <laughs> awesome. You know, I'm really, really interested in, obviously, it's very easy to tell that you both work together. You guys are amazing as a couple. But, you know, I'm really interested in, you know, what you guys are doing, what the message you think your children are getting from what you guys have been able to accomplish so far. So Kenji actually has a daughter from a previous relationship, so a stepdaughter. So we actually, she's 16. We do actually take her to a lot of our sites. We help involve her in choosing, let's say, tile, for example, things like that. And we're really teaching her, you know, you can do this. This is something well within your wheelhouse is owning property and having it on the side so that you can do whatever you want for your full-time job. You have a passion project that maybe doesn't make that much money, but you can support yourself because you have real estate investments that are bringing you in money every single month. And then from a female perspective, I think just my daughter seeing that a female is quite capable of doing financial models and just being really involved in building a business and entrepreneurship and giving them an idea of what they're capable of as women. It's a really powerful message. I like that. I love it. Well, look, we are getting towards the end of the interview. So I want to ask you all some fast fire questions. Don't think too hard about it. Whatever I throw at you, just think about it and just put it out there. You guys game? Yep. Absolutely. So look, we covered a lot of different things on this podcast, on this episode, you know, so many different steps, so many different concepts. If we can parse it down to one thing, what's the one thing you both want people to learn from this episode? So for me, I think it's really real estate professional status. I just think it's such a powerful strategy that 
we did a poll on one of the physician Facebook groups and we polled the physicians and asking them, you know, how many of them are claiming real estate professional status? And the results were not surprising, but pretty striking. I mean, it was less than 1% of the physicians were claiming real estate professional status. And, you know, the way I think about it is like, okay, maybe not everybody is going to be interested in real estate or want to do real estate, but I think it's got to be more than 1%, right? There's got to be, you know, I don't know what the number is, 15, 20%, you know, of physicians who have the interest in doing it, have the desire, you know, have uh, maybe uh, the right situation with the spouse not working. So I think that that would be the message is real estate professional status. For me, I mean, we haven't even talked about this, but I think working as a couple is an amazing thing. If you are able to work on real estate investments as a couple, you have two heads working on it. You have a decision maker in there with you bringing up you know, unique and interesting ideas. You will go so much further, even just from the accountability standpoint together than you will alone. Because we see a lot of people where just one member of the family is involved in the business. And I really think they're missing out if you can't get that other person just you know, right by their side working hard too. I love the answers and I appreciate the honesty. That's what we do. I love you being real on this. So if you had an opportunity to take the advice or the knowledge that you had right now and go back and tell your previous self as a pre-med or even as a medical student, give yourself some advice, what kind of advice would you have given yourself? I would have told myself to get started earlier with the right strategy. And this is something that a lot of real estate investors say is that you know, they always wish they, they started earlier. But for me, I definitely wish that I started earlier and with the right strategy as opposed to what I was doing back in the day, which was speculating, buying land and hoping that it appreciated, right? So that's essentially a form of gambling. Uh, at least I look at it as gambling and, and that's how it turned out for me. And so I really think that I would just sit myself down and say, hey, you know, here's the right strategy, you know, go out and execute. And I think I, you know, I'd be in a much different place financially. You know, we're happy where we are, but I mean, I just think that it would have been huge for me. Yeah. Letizia? And for me, I think just knowing that I could accomplish anything. So I don't think I really understood that if you have a why, if you have a reason that you is something that you want in your life and you can paint the picture for yourself, you can achieve it. And I just really never understood that till even the last couple of years. And I'm just starting to fully incorporate that and really believe it. And so, yeah, I wish I had known how much more I was capable of earlier. Yeah. And one of our friends, uh, she always says, uh, you know, anything you put in your R line, your results line, you know, you can achieve, right? You know, so I think that's a kind of a cool thing that stuck with us. So yeah. I love think that. about that a lot. Yeah. I love that. Well, what's a personal habit that's helped you both become more successful? I think both of us are very decisive. You know, if we see a good deal and we both are on board and we recognize it together as a good deal, we just act. I mean, we have been on the road driving cross country, like signing paperwork to buy a property we've never seen. Oh, wow. Oh, it's a good deal. Wow. I mean, you see that on HGTV all the time, but I didn't think actually people did that and stuff. So that's really. Oh, yeah. We bought lots of properties we've never even seen. But like, if you know the numbers and you feel confident in your ability, you can, I mean, you just, you do it when you know it's right. I love it. I love it. So if you had an opportunity, both of you, and you guys can answer this separately, if you had an opportunity to follow a famous figure or someone that you find to be inspirational, someone that you admire, who's that person and would you do it? And would you trade places with them for 24 hours? Yeah, for me, uh, I think it would be Elon Musk. Um, I just love oh, yeah. all the things that he's doing. <laughs> I think it's who would be, you know, excited to step in his shoes for 25 hours. Sign me up for that roadster, man. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
I couldn't quite decide on this one. I'm, you know, now that you mentioned it, I think I'm gonna have to go with Brooke Castillo. So we met, we went to Tony Robbins a couple of weeks ago. We met this amazing physician, Sunny Smith, who introduced us to Brooke Castillo, who is a life coach. And I've been listening to her podcast lately and they're just amazing, totally, you know, mind shifting, just amazing. So I would love to just be in her shoes for a minute. She's built up a huge empire and just the way she thinks is just awesome. Like I would just love to be in her shoes and see what she sees. Hmm. Okay. All right. Great. So since you mentioned it, I'll put that in the show notes for the listeners, maybe to sign up for her podcast also. And last but not least, what's one life hack or even just some technology that you use that makes your lives easier? Yeah. Well, I think a life hack for us, big difference maker is getting an au pair. We were hesitant initially about having somebody live in our house. And, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you just think of them as a member of your family, you know, it's just another person in your life that makes your life better. Right. You know, as long as it's the right fit and, you know, we were pretty careful about that, but it's been really an amazing thing. We've had a no pair now for three months and it's been a great experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I want you both to complete this sentence. This is a sentence or a phrase that I ask all of my guests. It's, I'm not just a doc. I'm a... Go ahead. Okay. So I'm not just a doc. I'm a real estate professional. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You're really going to push that point home. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm I love sorry. it. I love it. Though. I love it. <laughs> All right. Leticia? I would say real estate investor and blogger. Mm. I love it. I love it. Well, look, this has been one, a very eye-opening episode. There's a lot of things that I learned that I didn't know before. And I think the audience has learned a lot also. You guys are an amazing couple. And I definitely encourage everybody who's listening to the show to make sure you sign up and watch and read Semi-Retired MD, as well as follow you guys on Instagram. I think you guys have a very interesting, exciting life. And I'm definitely in support of your new program that is coming out also. Like I said, you might see me signing up for it. But I just want to say, you know, there's one thing to be successful and then there's another thing to kind of be successful and want to, you know, give back to the community also. So I want to give you kudos for that, for, you know, helping other physicians understand all of these different, you know, hacks and tax hacks and ways to kind of make their lives happier and be able to practice life on their own terms. That's huge. So kudos to you for doing that. And I just want to acknowledge you all for the great job that you're doing. Thanks, me. Thanks, me. 